Amen. Well, good morning. It is good to see you all. Good to be together again. We are back in 1 Corinthians, wrapping up 1 Corinthians chapter 3 uh, this morning, where Paul is going to conclude really all that he has been writing about and talking about going back uh, to chapter 1. So we're not going to do any kind of recap uh, over the three chapters, but rather we're going to jump in and really kind of see what's a a fitting summation or conclusion, if you will, to what uh, Paul has written about up to this point. And literally what Paul is going to tell the church, the Corinthian Christians this morning, is that all that you now have is for your benefit. And so I want us to keep that phrase in mind as we look at our passage today. And before we get into our passage, I want to ask you this question. Have you ever given much thought to what it is that you spend time with that you believe is a benefit to you. I mean, think about it for a moment, because we literally live in a world where we are consumed by information. And yet studies come out year after year after year that show us that if you spend too much time or more time keeping up with current events via the news or keeping up with current events via your favorite website, then you are more likely to end up living with anxiety issues. The very same studies tell us that if you spend hours daily checking your social media, if you wake up first thing in the morning checking social media and then it's the last thing you do at night, then these same studies will tell you that you are more likely to struggle with loneliness than those who are around you. So what's the point? Well, I think these studies are showing us that we need to be careful where you are spending your time based on what you believe to be beneficial. I actually like what Alistair Begg says about this person. He says about this point, he says this, the blessed person is not the one who knows the ins and outs of every news story or cultural crisis, but the one who, according to Psalm chapter 1, verse 2, delights in the law of the Lord and on his law, he meditates day and night. You see, as a society, we go to great lengths to stay informed for the sake of wisdom. We go to great lengths to stay informed for what we believe is for our benefit, and yet all it does is lead to more problems, leads to more turmoil, leads to more chaos. And so Paul, in our passage today, literally gives that same word to the Corinthian Christians as he addresses the same issue that he's been talking about from the beginning. And ultimately what we're going to see him do today is write to the Corinthian Christians to remind them and us today from our text of what truly is for your benefit. So if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, I would encourage you to join me now in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We're at the end of the chapter, and we will begin reading in verse 18. And I would ask that once you have found your place in the Word, if you can and you are able, please stand in honor of the reading of the Word of God. Now this is 1 Corinthians chapter 3, beginning at verse 18. Paul writes, Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is folly with God, for it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. 
So let no one boast in men, for all things are yours. Whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours. And you are Christ's. And Christ is God's. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You can be seated. Now I want us to notice this morning how Paul now returns back to the issue that was predominantly dividing the Corinthian Christians. Remember, they thought that they were wise enough to judge which leader or better yet, which pastor they believed was better. And as Paul has already written, this particular wisdom itself was actually foolishness and ultimately led to self-deception as they focused on the wisdom of this present age. Now, what we're going to see Paul do here is he's actually going to make reference to two particular Old Testament passages in order to reveal that God, at the end of days, will ultimately frustrate, confuse, and bring to nothing the wisdom of this world. In other words, what Paul is saying at this point can simply be summed up by this statement. Stop boasting on what will not last. Paul's going to then close our passage with a very encouraging word about what it is that we have now gained, thus proving his point that dividing over favorite leaders or dividing over favorite pastors is really below them and thus is below their walk with God. So this morning, Paul's going to teach the Corinthian Christians about what God has given to them and about how they need to stop playing really in the shallows of foolishness. So let's Take a deeper dive into our text this morning and see Paul teach the church and us today what truly is for your benefit. And so from our text, we're going to see Paul make two points. The first one being found in verses 18 through 20. Paul says this, it is for your benefit to stop deceiving yourselves. Again, let's read verse 18. Paul writes, let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is folly with God. For it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. Notice how Paul picks back up on his warning to the Corinthian Christians to not fall into the trap of self-deception. Again, verse 18, he tells us, let no one deceive himself. For if anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. Again, in saying these words, Paul is literally circling us back to what it is that he taught back in chapter 1, verse 18 through chapter 2, verse 16, when he wrote about what was truly wise versus what was truly foolish. Paul says to the Corinthian Christians, don't be so deceived that you think the wisdom of this present age is greater than the wisdom of knowing Jesus Christ as Lord. So Paul calls upon the Corinthian Christians, and he calls them back to, to following what the world would then call foolishness, which is knowing Christ and knowing Christ of the Word. This is ultimately why Paul says, and let him become a fool that he may become wise. In other words, what Paul is teaching at this point to the Corinthian Christians is that it is for your benefit to cling to Jesus Christ. 
It is for your benefit to cling to Christ crucified and Christ resurrected. It is for your benefit to cling to the word of God. You see, for the Corinthian Christians, they had placed their hope in the wisdom of the world. And it was seen in the the factions that they were now a part of. So Paul says to them, seek out true wisdom. Seek out a wisdom that doesn't lead to division. Seek out a wisdom that doesn't lead to following factions. In fact, in verse 19, he continues, for the wisdom of this world is folly with God. Now let's take a look at the argument that Paul is now making. Paul is not just arguing that the wisdom of this world is foolish, but rather he's literally saying that that God himself, when compared to the wisdom of the world, that God himself makes the wisdom of the world foolish. Tom Packard, we're talking about this morning, Paul literally says the world's wisdom doesn't even come close to comparing to the wisdom of knowing our great God. Now to make this point clearer, Paul is going to add an Old Testament citation to be exact, and he says this, for it is written that he catches the wise in their craftiness. Now, here is where the phrase comes to mind for me that even a broken clock is right twice a day. So good news, if you have a clock in your home and the batteries have died and you have not changed it for the past year, it will be right twice a day. Or if you're fortunate enough, you can fool your kids and convince them that is the time. Especially if that time is set for bedtime. Now, coming back to our text, in in saying these words, I believe Paul is actually referencing Job chapter 5, verse 13 here with his Old Testament reference, which is what makes the phrase, a broken clock is right twice a day, so fascinating. Because if you go back and look at Job chapter 5, these are actually the words of one of Job's friends. This was Eliphaz. And here is what Eliphaz says. He says that with God's design upon the world, the intelligence of the wicked will be their undoing. I mean, think about that for a moment. A friend of Job who would ultimately assess Job and get it wrong, ultimately hits a general truth about God. And as if that wasn't enough, Paul is going to double down with a second citation in verse 20. He says, and again, The Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. Now, this reference actually comes from Psalm 94, verse 11. But what I want us to notice is when you go back and read Psalm 94, verse 11, Paul literally subs out the word man for the word wise in order to bring his point home to the Corinthian Christians. But now what's interesting to note is is that Paul is not saying at this point that God knows what man is doing and therefore it is futile in what he is doing. But rather, when when you look at the phrase that God knows in the Hebrew, especially when you're looking at it through the lens of Psalm 94, it literally translates to God ordains, or better yet, God chooses. In other words, for Paul, He is saying to the Corinthian Christians that when we say that God knows, this isn't just a 
God is watching and hoping for the best. But rather when he says that God knows, this is, a, this is an active knowing that ultimately produces an end for the wicked, but it produces a good outcome for the righteous. Now, why would that matter for our passage? Well, let me unpack it a little bit further. When you read this particular passage, what Paul is saying to the Corinthian Christians is this. He is saying that God ordains the wisdom of this age to be futile. In other words, the wisdom of this age will not at all be productive. The wisdom of this age will not arrive at any sort of truth. And those who put their hope in the wisdom of this present age will ultimately land by the will of God, knowing that everything they have believed is false. There is no half-truth. There is no my truth versus your truth. There is just truth. And if you don't believe in capital T truth, you will find yourself on a path that leads to an end where you will ultimately land at the conclusion where you will say to yourself that everything I have believed at this point is false. I mean, the best way I can think about that at this particular point is to, is to think of it in terms of this. Have you ever been to a maze before? Like, have you ever gone away to a vacation and maybe done like a maze? Uh, I know some of the beach places have mazes up with like a, the, the fences that you feel like you can run through, but really you can't. Or maybe you've done a corn maze before, um, which if, if you ever saw some of the movies that I grew up watching, it kind of freaks you out, but you do them anyway. You know what I mean? Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. You'll get that reference later, Okay. But one of the most fascinating things about a maze is at some point in the maze, you arrive at a, at a high point, whether you're on, and not like high, like we're almost out of here, but a high point, like, okay, how do I get out of here? Because my least favorite sign about entering a maze is the one that says, this maze could take 30 minutes to two hours. I don't want to spend two hours in a cornfield. Okay? Who wants that? No one. No one. Not even your kids. They're like, oh, it's fun. No, it's not. So you hit this high point, and what do you do? You start looking ahead in the maze, trying to map out how to get out of the maze, right? And then here's what ultimately happens. As you're mapping your way out, looking at the paths that you should follow, you can clearly see other groups of people who are heading in a direction where in about four or five turns, they're ultimately going to hit a wall. They're going to hit a dead end where there is nowhere else to go. And you see it happening. Well, this is exactly what Paul says to the Corinthian Christians. He teaches them that God has ordained the wisdom of man. God has ordained the wisdom of this age, and it will come to an end. They don't realize it yet, but they are four to five turns away from hitting the wall. And then here's what happens. In that moment, you will realize the path that you have taken is completely wrong. So Paul calls the Corinthian Christians to stay grounded, to stay focused upon the wisdom that comes from God, a wisdom of knowing the word of God, because the wisdom of man is of no benefit. And ultimately, the wisdom of man will only lead to self-deception. And so Paul says to the Corinthian Christians, it is for your benefit to stop deceiving yourselves. 
You know, we live in a day and age now where Christians are deceiving themselves about what they believe in the Word of God. We have Christians who have compromised the truth of God, probably because they don't read the Word of God, and thus they are self-deceived. To give you an idea of what I'm talking about, I have met Christians who will say things to me like this. We don't believe being a part of the local body of believers for the purpose of worship on Sunday is important. Now, again, I recognize we get sick. Probably not best to be in church that day. I recognize by God's grace, we work, but we are allowed to go on vacation. Thanks be to God. However, there are people who have said the ways of the world are more important to me on a Sunday morning than being a part of the local body of believers in worships. And as a Christian, that is okay. I don't understand that. Because when I read Nehemiah, or when I read Ezra, I see the people gather around the rebuilt Jerusalem, gathered around the temple. And what do they do? They worship They demand that the word of God be read and they do it collectively, together, corporately. I read Acts chapter 2 and I see the, the body of believers gathered after Peter shared the gospel. He didn't share his testimony. He shared the gospel, the good news of Jesus. And what did the people do? They gathered for what? Worship. It says they devoted themselves to it. I continue to read from there. And we see in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, how this section that tells us to to do these things together, this let us section. And it says, let us not neglect meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. And yet we as Christians think it's okay. And I believe Paul at this point in our passage is saying, Brothers and sisters in Christ, it is for your benefit to stop deceiving yourselves. Read the word of God. We are not the ones who define how we are to now live. It is the word of God that defines how we are to now live. You see, there is no amount of wisdom in this world that would even come close to be greater than knowing God. And so no matter what decisions are made by this world, no matter what science comes out with, ultimately what the world is trying to do is create these new truths, if you will, and then say, look, this truth now disproves God. Or they use science and they use the world to say, look, we have created this thing that is now greater than God. You don't believe me? We're in June, Pride Month. Hello, We have a whole month dedicated to pride. We are greater than God, is what we say in June. And the last time I checked, when I read the Bible, it says pride is sin. I'm going to stop there. That's another sermon for another day. No wisdom is ever going to come close to helping us through life, like the wisdom of knowing the word of God. 
In fact, here's the reality. The more the world seeks to disprove God, the more they use science to disprove God, here's what happens. The more the world and science itself reveals the greatness of God. And so here's what I say to society and the wisdom of the world and the the philanthropists of the world. Please continue trying to disprove God because all you're doing is giving us wisdom that leads us back to the word of God and ultimately leads us back to the will of God. So keep discovering because you're getting closer to God. Thanks be to God. Keep trying. Now, again, before we throw away all wisdom here, let's heed the words of John Calvin for a moment. He says this. He says, we should not altogether renounce the wisdom that is implanted in us by nature or acquired by long of practice, but simply let's subject the world's wisdom to the service of God so as to have no wisdom but through his word. So I want to ask us this morning, where are you getting your wisdom from? Is it from your life experiences? Good. Is it from what you're reading, what you're listening to, which could very well be good? Good. Good, praise God. However, our experiences and what we're reading and what we're listening to should never take the place of the Word of God. Read a good book, as one old theologian said, but live in the Word. Are you done deceiving yourself with the wisdom of this age? then turn to the wisdom of God, which is found in the wisdom of his word. If you want to do some self-assessment on how you're actually doing with that particular question, then answer this question. Where are you spending your free time? Or better yet, answer this question. What are you reading? What are you watching? When you're alone at night and no one else is around, what are you reading and what are you watching? Are you saying to yourself, well, I know I should read my Bible, but the reality is my favorite TV show is on right now? Your priorities are out of order. I know I should read the Bible, but man, this book is really good. Get the priorities straight. As Paul said, it is for your benefit to stop deceiving yourself. Paul goes on from there in verses 21 through 23, and he actually gives us our second point this morning, and he says this, it is for your benefit to not only stop deceiving yourselves, but he says, it is for your benefit to know that all things are yours. Look at me again at verse 21. Paul writes, so that no one boasts in men, for all things are yours. I would underline that in red, by the way. Whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours. Underline that as well. Verse 23, and you are Christ's and Christ is God's. Here in verses 21 through 23, we actually have Paul beginning his conclusion of what it is that he's already said in verses 18 through 20. He opens in verse 21 by saying one simple sentence. So let no one boast in men. 
Again, Paul is saying to the Corinthian Christians a word that he has already given them before. He says, since the wisdom of the world is foolish and will be frustrated by God, thus meeting its end, you as Christians should turn away from worldly wisdom and turn away from dividing yourself based upon the leaders that you follow. Again, I want you to remember that the Corinthian Christians by this point uh, desired to be separated into factions based on leaders. And so Paul says, listen, what you're doing, this is actually a, a secular mindset. It does, it does not fit for those who are seeking to live by the Spirit and live according to the Spirit. Now what's interesting is when you get to the, the second sentence of this verse, Paul gives the reason why we shouldn't boast in men. He says, for all things are yours. Now, upon initial reading, this statement would have been a shock to the Corinthian Christians. And it's a passage that often gets taken out of context today. But thanks be to God that in his grace, as you read this phrase, Paul actually explains what he means in the next two verses by making this particular statement. But before we get there, I don't want us to miss Paul's point. Paul says, look, there is, there is division and quarreling over leadership. And that division and quarreling is really substandard for the believer. And thus, if you are allowing yourself to be divided over who to follow, you are ultimately missing out on what it is that God has in store for you. In other words, the Corinthian Christians, through their division and their quarreling, it was keeping them from seeing what God was doing and where God was taking them. I mean, we as Christians today would do well to remember this ourselves. I mean, let's not get so bogged down on, on the fights on social media. Let's not get so bogged down in the division and the, and the fighting that happens within the churches that we begin to miss what it is that God is doing in our midst. And so Paul continues from there and he gives us reasons. Verse 22, he says, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours. Notice now that Paul gives uh, the Corinthian Christians, a list of what now belongs to them. He begins first with himself and Apollos, and as we said, Cephas is actually Peter, thus circling us back to the argument made in chapter 1 where the church allowed themselves to be divided over their favorite pastor. Paul here lists this group of men, himself included, in order to remind the Corinthian Christians that this division is foolishness because God, in his grace, God in his perfect plan gave all three of these men to the Corinthian Christians for their benefit. I love what Thomas Schreiner says about this point in his commentary. He says the Corinthians in their divisions are satisfied with so little when God offers them so much more. Paul in the text, teaches us that each of these men and their ministries and their ability to teach truth was meant for your benefit to help you grow so that you can continue to be discipled. They are not different for you to choose which one you like best. No. 
All of them are here. They're, they're distinctive styles. They're, they're distinctive ways of, of proclaiming the word of God, of, of leading the church. They are here to help you grow. I mean, think about that for a moment, because isn't that exactly what we do today? I mean, how often do we place more interest and emphasis over one speaker over the other? And here's what we say to ourselves. We say, well, I don't do that, Pastor. I never do that. Well, let me ask you this question. Are you as engaged in worship through the local church as you are engaged through your favorite podcast, Pastor? Even in the church today, our church, I'm just going to speak to our church, we are blessed with incredible elders, all of whom are in the room today, all of them gifted teachers. We are incredibly blessed to have another pastor on staff who is an incredibly gifted teacher. We have a, a, a deacon in the room who is a, a gifted teacher. All of our deacons actually are gifted teachers, but one who's been in the pulpit. Praise be to God for that. And we're all uniquely different. And I love that because, because here's the reality. Each time each one of these men teach and preach from the pulpit and they preach the word of God, we are hearing things from a different voice. I would imagine if I just had to guess, if I got together with all our elders and our, our guys who preach, and I said, guys, here's what's going to happen. We're, gonna, we're not going to tell the church, but this is what we're going to do. For the next seven weeks, we are all going to preach 1 Corinthians 3, 18 through 23. For seven weeks, I promise you that even though some of the points may be similar, the text will be the same. Some of the points that get drawn out will be uniquely different. And I love that about these brothers. And I love the fact that God has blessed us with this because it's allowing us to continue to grow. And so I say to you, whether it's me or Corey or Forrest or any of our elders, faithfully engage in the proclamation and the preached word of God through the local church. Now, maybe that's not where you are and that's not an issue. Maybe this will drop the point a little bit further. Have you ever noticed in your own life how you tell your spouse something? Or you tell your children something and it just doesn't click. And then here's what happens. Two or three days later, someone else says the same thing to them and all of a sudden it registers. Have you ever noticed that? Have you been in that position where all of a sudden you sit there and say, wow, I literally said that to you three days ago and for whatever reason this person said it, how did you get it with them but you didn't get it with me? Why is that? Because sometimes a different voice saying the same point differently may actually have a profound impact. And so let's praise God that he's blessed us with, with gifted voices, with gifted teachers. Let's celebrate the fact that God in his grace has given the church multiple pastors. I mean, this is literally what Paul is saying to the Corinthian Christians. He's saying, listen, don't divide over who we are. Don't divide over Paul. Don't divide over, over Peter. Don't divide over, over Apollos. These are all gifted men, and they were given to you by the grace of God. So that you could hear the truth of God proclaimed in the life of the church. And all three of them were given to you for your benefit. Paul continues with this point in the text. And I want us to notice that there's actually a second list that's given to us. Paul, Paul says this. He says the word of life or, or excuse me, the world or life or death or the present or the future. 
Now I want us to pay attention because some people have taken this text way too far and said that, hey, listen, everything now belongs to you. Just go name it and claim it. That's not true. Because I'm going to go ahead and be honest with you. Sometimes the world gives us things that we don't want. Sometimes life gives us things that we don't want. I'm going to take this one step further. Sometimes in death, we may look forward to death because we know the hope that is to come as believers. But the reality is that sometimes getting to that point is not what we want. Paul in his list gives us items that can and will bring suffering for the Christians. So Paul in this moment is teaching us that not everything in life is going to be pleasant. But if you allow it and you trust the grace of God, it can and will be for your benefit. In other words, what Paul is saying in this moment, no matter what happens, no matter what happens, God knows, God ordained, God sees, and no matter what comes, nothing will ever be able to separate us from the plan and the hands of God. Let me think about that for a moment. Think about how some of us may get that diagnosis we don't want to hear. Some of us may be still grieving the loss of a loved one. And in this moment, God says, I have not forgotten you. I still have you. In fact, this is similar to what he says in Romans chapter 8, verses 38 and 39, when Paul says, For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul here is reminding the Corinthian Christians that, that they are held in the hand of God, and he is teaching the Corinthian Christians to stop falling pray to divisions and factions and the wisdom of this world that will lead you to those divisions. Why? Paul says, because every circumstance is meant for your benefit. Doesn't mean it's going to be easy. But it's leading us to the ultimate goal. Again, let's be careful here. Let's think. Everything we experience, what we go through, everything was meant for our benefit. I mean, how different would life look if all of a sudden, we're going to get frustrated, let's be honest, but how different would life look if all of a sudden we said, hey, God has a plan for this. I believe and I know that he has a plan for this. What if... And so just singing, Christ is all, my all in all on a Sunday morning. What if we could say that about every moment of our lives? Even in this moment, I've lost everything. But God, you are still all. 
You are still my all in all because I believe that even in this moment, whether good or not, you meant it for our good and ultimately you will use this moment for your glory. You may think at this moment, Pastor, that's really hard to stop and think about. Well, let me go ahead and tell you, when you say God is sovereign and you say that God is providential and his plan is providential, that's actually what you're saying. That whether it's good or whether it's hard, God is still here. And he is still involved. Coming back to the text, Paul gives us the basis for this encouragement, but then at the same time, the stunning revelations that really he has just made to us in the previous verse. He says this in verse 23. He says, all these things are yours because you are Christ's and Christ is God's. Paul now reminds the Corinthian Christians that we don't enjoy spiritual wisdom. We don't enjoy the blessing of multiple good leaders. We don't enjoy the benefits of all things being ours because of our own merit or because of our own skill or because of our own jobs. But rather we are given these benefits because of Jesus Christ. We are given these things because Christ alone is king. We have what we have. We have hope to look forward to because Christ alone sits at the right hand of God the Father. And so Paul says, since Jesus Christ was the faithful example, the one who was obedient to death, even death on the cross, he was victorious over death. Thus God exalted him to be Lord of all. We have what we have and we experience what we experience and all things are ours because Jesus Christ is King. We owe all that we have to Him. All of our ability goes to Him. Again, this is a good reminder because when we come in and we get puffed up and we begin to wonder, well, I come to church and I have to ask this question, what does the church Offer me. Paul would say in this moment, what? Do you really believe you're owed something? He would say, think again, because you are here today because Jesus Christ is king. You are able to worship today because Jesus Christ is king. You are able to pray today because Jesus Christ is king. You are able to read and understand the word of God today because Jesus Christ is king. You have a relationship with God because, broken record, Jesus Christ is king. And he allows this moment for our benefit. So Paul would say to us, don't lose sight of the benefit of gathering for the purpose of worship and don't lose sight of the benefit of gathering to hear the word of God. All is ours because Jesus Christ is king. And so I'm going to ask you this morning, do you see and understand the benefit of being together as a body of believers? Do you see and understand the benefit of sitting under the, the, the word of God itself? Do you see and understand the benefit of, of of the fact that what we have has been given to us because Christ is king. You see, this passage is not just a, hey, all is yours because you deserve it. 
All is ours because Jesus Christ is king. I read an article from a former pastor. I say former pastor not because he disqualified himself, but because he, re- he retired. He left pastoral ministry. And in this article, I was shocked um, as I read uh, this article of a pastor seeking to convince Christians that the church should no longer read about the gathered body on a Sunday morning. He said that the time had come in our society for the gathered body of believers to die away and for Christians to gather whenever it was more convenient for them. (laughs) Yeah, true story. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I don't know how that works because in my family, we don't have convenient times, (laughs) let alone trying to gather with people who are not family. But anyway, I really wrestled with this article for several days and it made me begin to question things like, is there value in a local church? Is there value in being gathered as the collective body of believers? Is there value in, 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 in how we do things? And not because I was questioning them myself, but I was questioning them because that's what this article was literally saying. And I ultimately arrived at this conclusion, and here it is. This article is not wisdom from the Word of God. This is wisdom of the world. This is what the world wants us to believe. And yes, even well-meaning pastors can fall into that pattern. A thought had been formulated based upon what the world calls wise. So no, dear friend, I will not follow. Rather, I will continue to gather because it's for my benefit to be here. I will continue to gather because Jesus Christ is king. I will continue to gather because Jesus Christ is worth it. And yet, sadly, this is what's happening in Western society. We get so lost in articles and the news that we get swept up into what the world calls wise. And so this is exactly what Paul was teaching to the Corinthian Christians. They leaned and pressed in toward the wisdom of the world because it gave them stature and because it gave them prominence within their own community. So they were deceived by their own standard and ultimately they were deceived by their own pride and yet they failed to see all that God had given them in Christ. They had failed to see that everything in life was for their benefit. And so Paul writes to them at the very end of 1 Corinthians chapter 3. So I have to ask us today, what about us? Do we see what the Lord is doing? Do we see what he is doing for our benefit or are we missing it because of our own self-deception? Brothers and sisters of Christ, do not be deceived. Know that all things are yours in Christ. And by God's grace, all was given for your benefit. I close with this quote, in a world that seeks to flood the minds and our minds to the wisdom that we end, my prayer is that we would be more like John Knox when he says these words. The scriptures of God are my only foundation and substance in all matters of weight and importance. Praise God that we have been given the wisdom of the word. Praise God that we have been given wisdom 
from God through Christ that is seen and found in his word and it is all for your benefit. To God be the glory for the hope that we have in him and the hope that is found in his word. Let's pray together.